Co-co-co, co-co-co, co-beer's on the way. Oh, you hear that satisfying snap? Oh! <laughs> I did. It's a co-beer Christmas here on the newest installment of Drang and Largly, the us. podcast that you're listening to right now. It's the only podcast you're listening to, unless you're just in some cacophonous realm where multiple people are listening to podcasts who can concentrate on a time like this get your neighbor's phone that's playing joe rogan and throw it on the ground you heard right throw it <laughs> yes. on the ground send in the receipt to uh, hollywood steve over there he'll give you a reimbursement <laughs> at oh, his own pocket yeah 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 well i mean I, I do promote if you see joe rogan playing on somebody's phone just smashing the phone smashing it i Damn, promote dude. that but Hardcore. I, I cannot in good conscience, pay for that person to get a phone again. They're just going to do it again. They're going to go straight back to Joe, aren't they? <laughs> Running to his Rogan skirts. Mm-hmm. I see uh-huh. how it works. Well, mm-hmm. well, you'll just have to try to turn them on to the ultimate podcast here with the host at the most, your good buddy, Uncle Ben. And me, Hollywood Steve. And in today's episode, we are enjoying a Christmas spectacular fun time holiday bonanza talking about a nightmare before christmas from 1993 30 years ago what that's right yeah yeah this is this is a little over 30 years old now and uh boy one it doesn't look a day old Mm -mm, looks amazing still looks amazing but uh, two bigger now than it was 30 years ago Hey, so am I. We got that in common. <laughs> you know I'm what? way more popular now than when I was nine years old. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, like, I mean, there were a lot of adults who knew who you were as a kid, and they were like, teach yeah. us guitar, boy. And you were like, I don't know it yet. I haven't even started yet. What yeah. do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm but also now physically larger because I, yeah. oh, yeah. I was mm. uh, uh, a preteen. 30 years ago <laughs> right right yeah yep, same here same here so we're, we're all bigger now 30 years later That's every great. one of us not one person has shrunk celebrate you know celebrate <laughs> well if you want to get straight out of the movie talk there's a timestamp for you in the podcast description but i'm gonna sip on this co-beer i just cracked open we're gonna have a chin wag in the preview palace and all that That's other right. good stuff so stay and hang out with you this beer that i just cracked open is one what I believe come to me from our good buddy, Roger Dean Miller. Uh, oh, this cool. is from Living Waters Brewing out of Nashville, so that just makes sense anyway. Uh, this is called Sieg. This is their Kolsch beer, and it is delicious. Oh, my mm. God. Have you had some Living Waters stuff? I don't know. That doesn't sound familiar, so I'm going to say no. They make a good old beer. I'll tell you what. They make you know, themselves a fine beer. The living waters I think of is the blood Jesus shed for your sins. Okay, so no no joke at all. Whenever uh-huh. I said living waters, like every time I say that, uh-huh. it makes me think of the Christian Def Leppard hard rock ripoff band Petra. And they have a song called The Water is Alive. Yeah. The water is okay. alive. There is no doubt alive. <laughs> yeah. So I think of that every time I say the name of that brewery. So I'm kind of right there with you, thinking about Jesus and so on. Yeah. What if you find out they're like super Jesus-y to the point that they like consecrate it, and as you're drinking it, it's getting the devil out of you? Oh, man, that'd be pretty disappointing. I've worked pretty hard to get them in, you know? (laughs) 
I really had to you really grease them up. Uh, you you know? got to grease them up. You got to stretch. You know, yep. you really got to work at it. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> so I'd be pretty upset if it got the demons out of me, honestly. Yeah. No, I'm with you. That's tasty. You drinking anything? I am drinking a refreshing Kroger brand seltzer water. Because uh, I have to what drive flavor? directly after this. It is it is a lemon. I don't normally like the flavors, but yeah, the lemon flavor I'm, I'm into. Okay. You ever yeah. do a, a spin drift rig? You ever get into those? Yeah, I do like I do like spin drift. Absolutely. Those yeah, are good. A, yeah. That just a little bit of juice in there. I, yeah, not a big fan of the fake flavors, but the uh, fake lemon flavor is often just like you know from lemon peel. Yeah, and it citric works. acid, whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Spindrift Lemon one is really good, too. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan. Anyway, yes, yeah, so just drinking on a water. Well, there you go, man, getting hydrated. I'm over here getting leveled out. It's been a, a long day <laughs> at the end of a long week, man. Uh, anybody that listened to last week's show will remember I talked about how uh, we lost our dear Oma, my wife's yep. uh, German mm-hmm. grandmother, who's R. incredible. R.I.P., man, fucking legendary, dude. Yep. What, a, what a human being. And uh, so this week has been... You know, pretty much a 60-hour, 80-hour week of just waking up, driving down to the family's house about 35 minutes away, spending all day doing funeral prep stuff, going through photographs. Kate's gone through 80 million photographs. I, I don't even know how she's yeah. cross-eyed right now. And uh, spending time with family and doing the funeral and all that jazz, man. By uh, by the day of the burial, which was Tuesday, we're recording this on a... Is this Thursday? I think it's yeah, Thursday. It is Thursday. It? <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> I'm, dude, the entire last week has been a blur. If I you bet. told me yeah. that she passed away three days ago or a month ago, I would believe you either yeah. way. No, I, I, I get it. It's rough. Yeah, man. Yeah. So we are just plum wore the fuck out, man. We spent all day yesterday as our first day just to be home and do nothing. Man, we did absolutely jack shit yesterday, Great. and it was awesome. glorious. Uh-huh. It was just the kind of recharge that we needed, man. So, yeah, just trying to get back on our feet here, get back moving again, and uh, try to get into that Kretma spirit, man. How's your week been? Oh, man, uh, it's, been, it's, been, it's been pretty good. Been uh, uh, getting some stuff done. We just uh, uploaded a new episode of Legacy Brutality on uh horror gimmicks in american professional wrestling and wrestling uh, it, it, in its first week it, it got more listens than any of the episodes that we've done thus far in Huzzah. their first week so my gamble worked i i gambled on i i care about this i maybe other people like it uh which is great it means that i can uh, you know, uh, continue to follow things that I'm interested in, and we can continue to just kind of push the boundaries of history of horror and what that means. Because honestly, man, pro wrestling, it's it is just a wash in horror stuff. You know, a lot of overlap, whole a lot, lot of, of overlap, overlap for yeah. sure, man. And, I, uh, I get that though, man. Like following just whatever you're interested is, whatever your passion is, and just being like, if I you know, make a, a video, for example, about something that I really care about, uh-huh. it might even inspire people to check something out and it'll get great hits because yeah. I am passionate about this rather than just me trying to crank out something that's like, well, this format or this band is popular right now. I don't really care about it, but I'm going to do one because that's what everybody's doing. Like, right. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't fake my way through shit. I like can't that. either. I can't, I can't work it, that way. No. no. Yeah. Uh, and real excited because this next month, Anna will, is taking the lead talking about Lon Chaney 
uh, and his makeup techniques and his like history of developing all that. Uh, we just watched the uh, 1925, I believe, Phantom of the Opera or 1924, mm. uh, which the makeup and like he he is like everything great about that movie. <laughs> He's not only is his performance amazing, but the makeup. Like, just check out the look and check out Lon Chaney without the makeup on. Like, Oh, it's the, insane. The yeah. nose difference is like, how did he do that? And, yeah. And like, stand it. Like, keep it on all day while you're oh shooting. Oh, my God, yeah. Total transformation, man. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's what we're talking about this upcoming. They don't make people month. named Lon no more, do they? <laughs> I, I think because Woke. Uh, woke did get rid of mm-hmm. Lons, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did know a Lonnie. Growing up, I knew a Lonnie as well, man. He he might threw up in kindergarten Lonnie. one time. Yeah, okay. might have been. I don't imagine a lot of a lot of towns have multiple Lonnies. You might be the only Lonnie in your town. If you don't know Lonnie, you might be Lonnie. If if you're a Lon, like right now, just listening, and you're like, "Hey, we're still out here. Let us know." Mm. The single Lon in every town is listening to this right now, going, "Hey, that's me. They're talking about. I'm Lon." Not all lawns sound like that, but the one you're talking about it, does, yeah, he does sound like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Lawn! <laughs> anyway, yeah, so yeah, it's been it's been a good week. Nice, man. I've had time to watch just a scant few things. Like I said yesterday, we kind of spent all day just vegging out on the couch, having some good foods and chilling out. We watched a few Kretmos thing to try to get into Kretmos spirit. Uh, happened to watch a Let It Snow, also known yeah. as Latits Now, over on the Netflix. <laughs> Latits Now. Latits Now. That is a fun movie. It's very enjoyable. It is a kind of a young person updated love, actually. Multiple stories going on. Sweet, heartwarming, set at Kretmos, and uh, a really good time. Oh, okay. Um, I've realized I keep saying Kretmos because I picked that up from some like utter piece of garbage Hallmark movie that I watched years ago. And it's killing me to try to remember which one it was. Cause there was like a character in this piece of shit Hallmark movie. Uh, that was like absolutely not an actor. He was yeah. definitely like an investor in the movie or something. Okay. And he just wanted a part in it. So there's a part where this guy's like, David, Merry Christmas. <laughs> like, he sounds like fucking, what's his name? Tommy Wiseau. Like, the accent oh, is no. outrageous. So, I've just picked that up and I say that all the time now. Right now, Lon is listening and he knows exactly which Hallmark movie that is. He's yelling it at his <laughs> podcast. I'm Lon and I know. <laughs> I think I had that on my mind because I did watch one of my favorite just piece of utter garbage Christmas movies that I'm a sucker for. Okay. And I thought that guy was maybe in it, but he wasn't. Uh, I think I've talked about this for the past two years on the show because I I do watch it every Christmas. It's a Cinderella Christmas, and it's on Hulu right now, and it is the biggest piece of garbage of all time. I can't remember. Did you ever watch it? Because I tried to get you to. No, I need to. I need to. And now you mentioning it on the podcast means that Anna's going to make me watch it. So we'll probably watch it soon. (laughs) It's on Hulu, dude. Listen, there is a Chris Masquerade ball in it, dude. Chris Masquerade ball. (laughs) Okay. You won't believe it. You will not believe it. Get like silly fucked up when you watch it. Okay. uh, (laughs) All right. You won't believe the dialogue. Oh my God. It is the worst. (laughs) 
Watched a Home Alone yesterday, too. Oh, we watched that, too. We're doing that you for Hell Rankers this month, because there are six of them. There's six of them? Really? There's six of them, yeah. I guess I kind of got into that straight-to-video kind of land for a there while. There were two, two that were, yes, like straight, are made for TV, I think, even. Mm. Yeah. I think but, I've still yeah. only seen one, two, and like the newest one they did a year or two ago. Uh, that I've only seen one and two. I'm I'm excited to watch that one because we will have gone through the two made-for-TV ones by that point. So there's no way it can be as bad as those. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. Dude. Yeah. But that OG, that's one of those it's ones so I've got to watch. It's great. Every Creedmoss, man. Absolutely. It is just so super saturated with all things Christmassy. Yep. And God damn, that John Williams soundtrack. It's a 10. We so got a whole good. episode on that one years ago uh-huh. uh, that we did as a Christmas wild card. Be sure to check that one out. It got me thinking, though, like, what are your top five movies you have to watch for it to feel like a Creedmoss? Like, for me, I was talking to Kate about this. Like, for me, Home Alone is definitely one of them. Um National okay. Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is one okay. I have to watch. Uh-huh. I know that's not your favorite, but yeah. uh, I got to watch still, that I, one. It's a good watch. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking Muppet Christmas Carol. You have okay. to. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. For me, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yes. Have yeah. to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always, always, always burn through those this time of year. And if I got room for one more, I feel like I'm forgetting something very important. I want to say Elf, but I want to say there's something else I thought of that I'm like, well, I have to watch this movie every year i don't know i'm gonna go with elf though for right now those are ones i like i have to watch for it to feel like christmas yeah yeah uh i always have to get in a viewing of black christmas 1974 yeah Um, nice yeah and then i'll do that one again this year yeah yeah i i think the ones you name like home oh die hard die hard fuck yeah Yeah. dude damn i haven't watched that one yet either yeah so that yeah i think the ones you named and those two are, are usually my yeah. holiday like holiday musts but you know uh there's an awful lot of uh other christmas horror movies that i definitely try to get in like anna and the apocalypse mm-hmm. or gremlins uh oh, man. gremlins dude yeah. yes huge fan of christmas horror just hell love yeah it. man hell yeah what have you been watching this week anything good oh so much stuff uh because it, it's been a little bit since we recorded but uh i watched uh scrooged Hell yeah. Yeah. Bill Murray. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Uh, specifically watched it because uh, Anna said she wanted to watch more stuff with, um, oh, crap, uh, Lillian Kaustruper. Uh Oh, yeah. What is her uh, name? <laughs> Carol Kane. Kane. Carol Kane. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, God, she's incredible. What a treasure. She's great. Yeah, absolutely great. Uh, watched uh, Out of Sight. Out of Sight. I don't know that one. Uh, George Clooney, Jennifer Lopez, Mm-mm. 1990s uh, thriller. Sounds thriller. hot. Uh, kind of like heisty, action-y thing. It's it's hmm. fun. It's a fun movie. Nice. Sounds good. Yep. Watch Tombstone. Oh, Classic. my God, dude. Fuck, what a movie right there, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's nothing to say except if you haven't seen Tombstone, why not? Oh, my Watch God. Watch Tombstone. The cast is it, list is alone it the best should ever? tell you. You know, oh, it's not. It is not my favorite western. Okay, but that does not mean it's not in the running for for top. It's up there for sure. I, I, yeah, I definitely put it high, very high on my list. Probably top three. 
So yeah, that it, there's a good case. I, and I I want to watch more West. Like every time I watch a Western, I'm like, I I why don't I watch more Western? More of these. Like, what yeah. am I doing? Yeah. But it'd yeah. be really cool if we started a thing to where everybody starts nicknaming the hotel chain Best Western. If we all just called them Tombstones, because when you say Tombstone, <laughs> it's implied Best Western. We'll swing by a Tombstone here. Yeah, crash over here for Tombstone Western. in town. I agree. Okay, let's do Best that. Western. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. That's great. <laughs> okay. Uh, watch the movie called Escape from Tomorrow, which is a a, a small uh, horror movie that was shot entirely at Disney World and Disney Resorts. What? Wait, yeah. like gorilla style? There's no way they let them do that. No, they didn't let them do it. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. That is a bold move. How did they fucking do that without the mouse getting on them? Um... I don't know. I, I didn't really look into it because uh, the, the movie was interesting, and I was like, "Well, we could definitely maybe talk about this on the show." Um, but I also didn't love the movie. Like it was like the the gimmick is really cool, and some of it I, I enjoyed, but not madly in love with it. So mm. I would I would like to talk about it sometime though, because that is definitely like how did they how how did they yeah get that done <laughs> no kidding um watched a uh, 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 dragnet with oh yeah yeah with uh, uh, tom, uh tom hanks and dan oh my god why am i forgetting everybody's name dan Aykroyd, is it yes. Aykroyd? yeah yeah god yeah, yeah. That, it's been a long time since i saw that dude it's leaving netflix at the end of the month and oh. it was just like well should probably watch it then right sure. and it's still good it's fun like there's some moments for sure it's 1987 there's some (laughs) there's some some words in there you're not gonna be happy to hear Mm -hmm. uh but uh you know it it, the central premise of it is like about how like you know the religious right feeds the the arguments uh you know for you know satanic behavior in regular human behavior so that people will see regular human behavior and flock to church to you know escape their sins or whatever yeah yeah interesting thing to deal with yeah Yeah. (laughs) but yeah dragon net always did like literally really lurid stuff like you know satanic cults and and hippies with their drugs and whatnot so uh, i think it was it was that's that movie is still fun and still funny, though yeah, a couple things didn't didn't age amazingly. But whatever, <laughs> uh, Dabney Coleman's performance is awesome. Okay, nice. He plays like a porn guy, kind of a Jerry Falwell type. Oh, uh, and he's doing this wild kind of southern like lisp accent. Like I don't know how. Is it that South Carolina it. baby talk accent? Yeah, kind of. Sometimes down in South Carolina, they got that baby talk accent like it's that. It's a little like that. A little. Yeah. 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 It's weird, man. Yeah, That's an he's, odd accent. He, he's killing it, though. So, yeah, Dragnet. Check it out before it leaves uh, Netflix. Nice. <laughs> I'm working for Netflix now. Um, we also watched Men in Black 1 and 2. And cool. here, here's how that roller coaster ride works. You go up to the top of the hill, and then they shoot you in the back of the head. Because MIB, so good. M2B, 
dog shit. Is it not good? It's been a really long it's time since so I watched it. Bad. Really? It I don't remember so it being terrible. bad. What makes it bad? Um, everything. It, it's the movie, <laughs> the, the entire film, the CGI oh. is terrible. The 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 entire premise of the movie is, hey, remember all that stuff we did at the end? Yeah, we're undoing that. Oops, oh. we shouldn't have done that. Oh, also, by the way, just in case you're wondering, is this movie for adults? No, it's for kids. Hey, it's like TMNT two Secret of the Ooze. It's like oh, oh they oozed it. Completely changed the tone here. It's the worst Spy Kids movie. Oh shit! Damn. Yeah. Ooh, cold. Yeah. <laughs> and what what happened there? It took them seven or wait was it, let's see, I think five a while years after yeah. to make a sequel, and <laughs> they came up with that. <laughs> hey, why? What? Uh. Anyway, M uh, two B uh, can go to hell. Yeah, uh, watched Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless. Mind. Oh, what a movie, dude! Yeah, Fuck, great, just great, amazing movie. Yep, um, yeah, very, very, just yeah. There's nothing more to say about it. It's just amazing. Like it's Phenomenal. so good. Yeah. Everything timeless. Like, you know, as a Kaufman movie goes, too, it's way more like. Uh, straightforward narratively even though we start at the end you really get a good like reveal over time of like the whole story how you got but it's not like it's not exposition you're reading a lot you're reading the characters and figuring out what's going on and man it's great just having a fun time so good man Uh, like really enjoying all those visuals that kitchen scene like the forced perspective with the large kitchen table and stuff phenomenal so cool and jim Jim carrey and and um uh oh fuck kate winslet in there are Uh just incredible i mean absolutely fucking incredible i know that that's one of those movies that we all saw and we were like jim carrey can be serious man how possible he funny how possible oh my god dude (laughs) Phenomenal movie. Has has Kaufman done a, a stinker? Has he done anything that just sucks? No. Well not, not in my estimation, but yeah, uh, yeah. you know, somebody else might might think so. But hmm. Adaptation. New York. That's probably the lowest point yeah. for me. That was like yeah. very kind of kind of up its own ass it. a bit, but it's still yeah. fascinating in, in terms of the scope and scale of yeah. what's going on in that flick. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Also, another uh Christmas flick. Undeniably so. Profondo Rosso. Ooh, yeah, a little deep red action, huh? Yeah, yeah. Deep Love red. it. It's great. Love deep yeah. red, man. Yeah, such a strange flick. Uh, it's I love, so normal. Yeah, I love when that weird ass doll just appears. It's like, yeah. what's what this? <laughs> what now? What? <laughs> okay. Uh, All right. <laughs> that's a fun one, dude. We got to do that sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. How are there like, still so many movies to do, dude? We've done like a million episodes. We have a done million. Three hundred and I think this is three forty-five, maybe. Jesus Christ! And a ton of minisodes and stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. We've got so many to go, but that's the goal, though. We're gonna do literally All every single horror movie. Mm-hmm, so yep. buckle mm-hmm. up, Ginger Dead Man. <laughs> We're coming for you. <laughs> Uh, also on Friday night, uh, we watched a, a movie called uh, "Shit, A Nasty Piece of Work." Mm, it was one. on Hulu. It's um, 
Ah, boy. Kind of like... They're, they're clearly trying to do maybe some... Um, what was that? Uh, Samara Weaving movie about rich people? Shit. Oh, Ready or Not. Ready or Not. Yeah, I felt Love like they're kind of doing a little bit of that. Just like, yeah, rich people suck. It wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. Julian Sands is in it. It's got a okay, Highlander yeah. 2 reference, so that's fun. It's got that going for it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, overall, I wouldn't say it was amazing, but, I mean, if you're looking for something and you're just surfing through Hulu and you're like, eh, what's this? Hey, maybe check it out. Who knows? Maybe you find out what it is. What's yeah. this, you say? <laughs> yeah, what's this? Yeah, so uh, that that's, I mean, that's a whole lot of movies, but yeah. That's Bumper crop, a movie watching right there. And before I forget about it, too, I just wanted to say uh, thanks so much to everyone who has reached out um, after after we lost Oma. I got so many messages from myself and Kate and her family. Yeah. Uh, you know, just condolences and stuff. means a ton. Thank you guys for thinking about us. Tough time. Uh, but, yeah, you guys definitely help out. So thanks a ton for that. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad everybody. I mean, you know, not surprising. People like you. Well, <laughs> they they you like know. you. They like Kate. They like they your like family. Me. They really yeah. like me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, Steve, this uh, this movie right here was kind of a formatively gothic experience for many people born around our time period. We were born in the early to mid 80s. Right. So when this come out, it was just coming out at the perfect time to sure, turn yeah. us Plum Goth AF. I think we need to talk about them origins here in the Preview Palace. Welcome to the Preview Palace. Goth edition. Bat noises. (laughs) What was it we determined a while back? Spider sounds. Uh, Spider. I'm a spider. Spider sounds, I think. (laughs) We're going to be talking about what got us to where we are. Now, let's kind of just clear the air here first. Okay. Would you say that we identify as as goth people? Do you identify yourself as a goth mm, person, Steve? Mm, I'm a goth appreciator, for yeah. sure. Okay. For sure. Yeah. yeah. But um, no, no. Do I, what? Do I live and bleed uh, goth? No, no. But I I like to wear a black. That's mm-hmm, for sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Like I wouldn't necessarily call myself a goth but i think to a lot of like you know normies and npcs um <laughs> they they might see the fact that i i do dress in all black 90 percent right. of the time um i do have a house that is decorated with skulls and bones uh-huh. of animals yep. it's kind of morbid i guess uh-huh. horror movie posters and stuff like that all over yeah the place. exactly sure. a lot uh-huh. of a lot of kind of morbid stuff uh uh-huh. live and breathe for horror movies and metal maybe some people might think i might be satanic you might be satanic they say and gothic <laughs> but you know at the same time yeah i'll wear a hawaiian shirt i listen to mm-hmm. fucking hall and oats and other happy time music I'm not really a full-time goth. I wouldn't really yeah. claim to be part of the crew, but maybe I'm goth adjacent. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's accepted, right? Is If the normies would call you a goth, then yeah, goth adjacent. Maybe, you know? Yeah. I'm a goth ally. How about that? I'm an ally. I do, I do have black fingernail polish on at the moment, but I like to mix that up. I like colors, so... yeah. 
Same. Yeah, I do the same as God. well. So, eh, you know. Yeah. Well, let's just kind of talk about maybe what got us here in the first place, man. What drew us in mm-hmm. to these morbid curiosities? Yeah. What we eat, sleep, and breathe in as goth-adjacent people on a horror <laughs> podcast or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's right. Because <laughs> definitely for the both of us, We some interesting man. stuff, for sure. That definitely shaped uh, a darker personality. I think, you know... We've talked, of course, about me growing up on on horror movies, and that yeah. that had a big influence. And one of the major influences was uh, uh, the hot goth girls in horror movies. <laughs> well, okay, you got any that like spring to mind? Uh, absolutely, yeah, Angela in uh, uh, Night of the Demons. Of course, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. yep. 100% was just like my little brain was like, okay, so okay, so I like that. I like yeah. this. This is good. <laughs> I want to follow that. Whatever, yeah. whatever's going on over here. Um, but also, I mean, we we grew up in a time with Tim Burton. I mean, and his weirdness. So I would say, obviously, even before Nightmare Before Christmas, we had stuff like Pee Wee that I loved as a kid. Yeah, dude, uh, Batman. You know, his Batman. Um, and oh, you know, speaking of Batman, Batman in the animated series, like just a lot of like dark stuff kind of Edward Scissorhands dude Edward Scissorhands yeah absolutely yeah yeah totally man yeah Tim Burton really is single-handedly responsible for I think turning many a young kid born in the 80s to to the dark side of gothy things now of (laughs) course you know all of that stuff has existed since the the fucking 70s man I mean the the damn cure got started in 1978 yeah Yeah, and even before I mean the Visigoths sacked Rome that's a long time ago (laughs) yeah Really, Goths, you've laid off on the sacking. Yeah, get back to sacking, Goths. Get back to sacking. Yeah, Yeah. a little more sacking, a little less sucking. How about that? Well, you know what it is? They're just too busy sad sacking. That's what they're doing. Oh, yeah. They show show up at a party and just bring the vibe down. Mm -hmm, That's right, man. (laughs) They should be doing some sacking of another kind. I tell you this. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, dude, totally Tim Burton brought so much of that aesthetic and uh, subject matter into the spotlight for sure in a way that yeah. nobody ever had. I mean, it was very much a subculture, you know, in the eighties, um, something that existed in the in the clubs, in the record stores, and the uh, the spooky corner bars and so forth. Yeah, but for uh, sure. but man, to see that stuff on the big screen, you know, whenever Burton started bringing a lot of those movies out, I'm sure was huge for so many people to see somebody who was like, oh my god, like. Somebody else loves gory like I do. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, I, I think that that definitely like had a big influence on me because I, 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 you know, I liked dark things already, uh, and yeah, just luckily grew up in a time when there are so many. Yeah, even stuff as I said, Batman the animated series, huge. That's on my list too. At kids like. Um, that that was really dark and told like some more adult, darker Batman stories. And then you also have stuff like the Beetlejuice cartoon. Like we talk about Beetlejuice the movie being an influence. Yeah. That cartoon, I watched it every Saturday. I loved it. Thought it was great. Yes. Totally, and man. It really brings the weird kind of gothy vibes while being silly and accessible to kids. I I very much enjoyed it. It was so cool to be offered, you know, stuff like Batman animated at that time. It was, um, yeah. 
when especially, you know, of course, you know, every kid now is into the Marvel movies and all that. But back then, there wasn't really that much to choose from. If you were a kid and you were watching cartoons, it was something brightly colored and silly and goofy and happy. And maybe if it was something superhero related, it was something corny like those old Justice League cartoons from the 70s or whatever that were just really shitty. But then they, they come out with this Batman animated that was, you know, drawn on black paper. Like those early episodes of the of the show, like the uh-huh. storyboard or not storyboard, but the animation cells that they used were black. Like yeah. they started with black. Yeah. And it was so cool as a kid to be offered this thing that's like, yeah, it's not shiny and happy and pretty and colorful, but it's still for you. You can choose to have yeah, the bright colorful thing on the other channel, or maybe you'd want to watch something kind of dark. That was such a big risk for them to take on kids, but obviously a lot of us wanted to see it because we're still here talking about it fucking 30 years later, right? Soundtrack was also so brooding and dark. So fucking cool, man. Yeah, dude, like, to me, I think a lot of the allure for this stuff started just because it was forbidden. You know, I, I grew oh, yeah. up pretty mm-hmm. damn conservatively. Um, and, you know, now that I think about it, I think I bought my first black t-shirt with, like, my own money at, like, age 17, like I wasn't even allowed to wear black t-shirts. <laughs> what? Oh yeah. no. My mom oh. was like super opposed to anything and still is anything that was like morbid or dark or had like you know skulls or anything spooky. My mom hated all that stuff. So it was just totally forbidden. And I think that that's that's just what makes it cool, dude. Like anybody out there that's a parent, like if you want your kid to get into something, forbid it. <laughs> Tell them they can't do it, you know? Because it just made me more fascinated. Like, I even remember being a kid and going to that trashy Morristown flea market we've talked about. You and I uh-huh. both went to when we were kids. And, you know, seeing all those, like, Metallica t-shirts or, like, yeah. Slayer t-shirts that have, like, skulls and pentagrams and, like spooky stuff and even though i was i was still very much in the church at that point um you know i was never thinking about buying them or anything like that but i was still allured by it it was still mysterious because i wasn't even allowed to think about it you know right yeah (laughs) i was allured by it and i was allowed to think about it so like i feel like you're right like if you forbid your kid from doing something it's like clear that they're interested in it if you have to forbid them right yeah they're going to pursue that interest no matter what like you're just you you can't stop it it's gonna happen and the Uh, thing is is you still find it wherever you can like i remember absolutely you know even in the days where we could just listen to like you know christian hard rock or any of Uh our heavier music that we listen to had to be christian uh bands or whatever uh, there's this CD I got by a group called Circle of Dust. Okay. And uh, they're kind of like, it's like fucking Christian Nine Inch Nails is what it sounds like. It's oh, like this okay. heavy industrial kind of thing. But I get the impression that like maybe the, what was the name of that record? Disengage by Circle of Dust. You can find it on Spotify and listen to it. It's actually still pretty cool and I listen to it quite a lot. I think a lot of the the messaging in the lyrics is actually about him like, losing his faith and falling away from christianity oh yeah but at the time it was just like oh man this is like dark and spooky and their videos were also kind of gothy and nine inch nailsy and they were you know wearing uh like fucking like lawn aerator spiked shoes and shit oh do you think so you'll find it man you'll find it whatever it is that you're looking for you'll find it 
do you think those guys when they sat down and they're like yeah let's just do this like kind of industrial type of music you know but it's you know it's gonna be kind of jesus-y i got an idea for the name and it's like a reference to his crucifixion nine inch nails because they used (laughs) those nine inch nails to crucify jesus and they're like great that's great let's do it wait let's just check and see if there's another band I can't believe it. What? Listen, and listen, it's like he's ripping us off. <laughs> yeah, obviously. We're on to you, Trent Reznor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, I even found little pockets of spooky stuff within you know, the, the conservative Christian bubble that I was allowed to swim in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Anna's told me that, too, you know, growing up as a, as a fundamental Christian and not being allowed to watch a lot of you know media she still found it where she could uh, oh, yeah. you know like scooby-doo scooby-doo is like definitely a spooky kid type of cartoon that uh in, like i loved as a kid because it's got all the scares and stuff and then you know uh you got the humor of shaggy and scooby and we didn't know that there were pot references, but then when you get to be a teenager, you're like, ha, 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 ha. It's kind of like pot references. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's kind of like gateway goth kid stuff yeah. right there for sure. Absolutely, and even, yeah. even like do like video games and stuff, like growing up uh-huh. being into Castlevania. Castlevania, and yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of those games, especially even like getting into the PS1 era, like that game Nightmare Creatures. Did you ever play that? Uh-huh. No, I never played it, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of a kind of an action adventure, super uh, super dark, very like sleepy Halloween kind of game. Yeah, uh, I just remember trying to find anything that I could that had that vibe that yeah. I might be mm-hmm. able to you know consume under the the watchful eye of mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I was I was always like, you know, because we my mom listened to rock and roll. We we listened to like Led Zeppelin and stuff growing up, and then my brother was really into like hair metal and and guns and roses and stuff and so like you know how am i gonna push boundaries there gotta go into heavy metal right you gotta go into punk rock you gotta go into the stuff that they don't listen to and even then it was like my mom was like yeah that's cool i like that (laughs) so it was hard to rebel so marilyn manson was Uh a good gateway for me because that was one that i got told not by my mom, but by my dad in a rare appearance in my life, showed up to tell me that uh, I shouldn't listen to Marilyn Manson. Holy moly. Thanks. It was that big of a deal that he became a dad again for a second? He suddenly, out of nowhere, was like, I just got out of prison and I got ideas. See, I imagine it like a like a force ghost or something came to you. Yeah. Steven. <laughs> no Marlon Mason. <laughs> Dude, holy shit. Did I send you... That thing I came across on Instagram the other night of like the like Mexican Marilyn Manson guy. No. Oh my god. <laughs> what? I'm excited. Dude, I, I have to send you this. Um so I was on Instagram the other night and I was laying in bed. I was stoned as fuck, just you know, waiting to go to sleep. Uh-huh. And I was scrolling through Instagram and uh I found this video of it, it looks like it looks like a live concert that was taken during the mid late nineties. And it's advertising, and it's all in Spanish. It's like a commercial. I guess it's like a Mexican ripoff, Marilyn Manson. 
Okay. And it's like all this like Spanish rattling off. And then it's like Marilyn Minson. <laughs> the guy, the guy that I guess is Marilyn Minson. He looks like fucking Gollum or something. Like they've totally got the look completely wrong. Okay. <laughs> and he's got this like super gothy, spooky band with him. And he's jumping all over the stage. I think he's wearing a cape or something. <laughs> But it's like 90s Mexican store brand Marilyn Manson. And (laughs) I was dying laughing, and I was so tired that night. And I laid in bed, unable to actually fall asleep entirely, because my stoned ass just kept laughing about it for like 15 (laughs) minutes. Like, I was keeping Kate awake. Like, we'd just be laying there really still, and I'm sure she could just, like, feel my shoulders moving and me starting to chuckle. You gotta find it so you can send it to me so I can post it when this episode goes out. It's it's the greatest, dude. I was fucking dying laughing over it. So good, man. Yeah, that was a huge no-no for me, man. I was not allowed at all. Like, whenever... You know, I was alone at the house. I might try to catch like a MTV2 or much music uh, music video and, you know, catch Sweet Dreams or whatever. But I even remember right. being like too freaked out by that stuff back then, like not finishing oh, wow. the video, being like, this is devil stuff for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, uh, Marilyn Manson obviously turns out sucks. But yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, that fucking Antichrist Superstar album is still great. Oh my and God, dude. I I got from there to a lot of stuff that I do still love. Mm. Um, so like, you know that that little bit of banning, I guess that <laughs> that really didn't hold any sort of water because my mom was like, you can listen to whatever you want to listen to. But that little bit of an authority figure saying no made me be like, eh, all right, well fuck you then. I'm gonna listen to this. Yeah, uh, yeah, no which doubt. Which worked man. out fine. Yeah, I even think that there's something about growing up on a a. I wouldn't say that we lived on a farm, but we lived out in the country, and we had, you know, we had a chicken coop with usually ten to twenty or so chickens and ducks okay. and guinea hens. We had rabbits, like we had animals. You know, I wouldn't not say just when I lived on a farm. We just kept yeah. five different of types of animals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I don't know. Um. I think even growing up around that and, you know, you're bound to encounter death. Those animals are bound to die, whether it's being, yeah. you know, like we had we had coops get wiped out by stray dogs a few times yeah. or, you know, one would just wander off into the barn and die. Right. And a couple of weeks later, you'd find the bones or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's kind of hard not to grow up around that and at least not have some kind of fascination with like, oh, like that's what was... Yeah, that's what was inside of that chicken that was walking around a month ago. You know, yeah. Uh, there's there's something fascinating about that whenever you grow up with it. So I think that even just growing up on a farm and just seeing the effects of death and decay, yeah, was interesting to me in a way. Yeah, I yeah I agree absolutely that type of stuff. Like uh, I also lived on a farm, but <laughs> the death that I dealt with was, and I've talked about this before, and I'm not condoning the behavior. But my mom's boyfriend at the time had fighting pit bulls. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, And uh, he had more when we moved there than he had when we moved out. Oof. Yeah. That's terrible, man. Yes, it was. Uh, But, yes, it does does create in you, at the very least, a fascination because you're like, 
what is th- like what like i i have no comprehension of that used to be a living thing and now it is just bones or yeah, just you know, matter just right ma- yeah yeah it is that you know some people run from it and other people are you know strangely compelled to it and that that was us for sure yeah, for sure. And yep. As long as you don't go full Dahmer on it, that's okay. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> having like being compelled to the concepts and idea of death is way different than being like, you know what I want? I want a sex zombie. Maybe I make some of that stuff. <laughs> what if I made it happen? <laughs> yeah, listen. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> nope. Try too to far. Do a little homemade gourd. Nope. No. <laughs> Mm-mm, no. Nope. Now, speaking of, like, finding it where you can get it, dude, I know that for me, seeing the the supernatural phenom on the television screen, I'm talking about the dead man himself from Parts uh-huh. Unknown, I'm talking about seeing goddamn Taker, the yes. Undertaker, in my, my early southern youth watching some WWF, yes, yep. that's right, F, because that's how old we are, Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm sure that's probably relevant to uh, some of the razzling horror you were talking about recently. It absolutely I know that, like, is exactly Taker, that, yeah. Dude, like, uh-huh. that morbid ass, you know, uh, is he a living corpse? I don't know, seeing yeah. that supernatural horror stuff on the TV screen on a Saturday morning or a Monday Night Raw. I know that made an impact on me for sure because you know again as kids you're you're handled you're handed you know Macho Man and Hulk Hogan these fucking larger than life colorful California action figures and then right. there's this guy that dresses all in black and I guess he's an undertaker <laughs> like what and the fuck he draws power from an urn yeah and dude seems to have mystical powers yeah Paul Bearer yeah. goth as fuck for sure. Yeah, no, that that is like was kind of one of the main focuses of that episode of Legacy Brutality. Go check it out if you're interested. But it's it's uh, yeah that that moment was huge for a lot of kids because we had just been repackaged the same sort of villains over and over, and it was just like, oh, this guy's big and mean. Yeah, Uh-oh. totally. Yeah. Big angry guy. Here's yeah. another one. Yeah, but this guy comes out and it's like is he is he dead like that that's like they're like saying he's a he's dead they're like oh is this a corpse it's like what shut up big man like it's not a corpse obviously so Uh, good man but yeah that that i agree that was one of the things that drove me to the dark side dude even fucking grave digger man like watching monster trucks as a kid you know like (laughs) Dude. You had the hero trucks like Bigfoot, and then you had goddamn Grave Digger, Grave which had like Digger. this skull mountain, and it was uh-huh. black and green and purple, like the fucking sickest, dude. Am it I gonna have cooler. to talk about monster trucks and horror on Legacy <laughs> Brutality? <laughs> <laughs> now you really put that digging together. Deep. That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> dude that stuff was a a huge thing for me like i was i was into the one that had yeah the the black skies and the skulls on it and shit yeah. like that was mm-hmm. dope to me and again that was allowed in the house because it's just a truck that's yeah. big enough to crush cars that's not there's nothing in the bible <laughs> that's against awesome. that as far as that's i know awesome honestly and a truck shall not crusheth a smaller car <laughs> Neath its tires. <laughs> oh, Jesus! Jesus loves a demolition derby. He loves a monster truck. Everybody knows that. No kidding. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> Find it where you can get it, man. Yeah, you gotta. 
And then, of course, we also kind of lived through the heyday of the craft, the crow. Oh, I mean, yeah. So all many all the gothness coming out there. Yeah. And yeah, we, it's so much of like internet culture was starting then. And, and like, yeah, a lot of the internet was goth and just like, uh, like darker websites and stuff, which again, you know, like something rotten or is that what? Uh, rotten.com rotten.com yeah that's just nasty stuff oh absolutely yeah anyway yeah we were introduced vampire freaks early too by the internet everybody's fucking uh you can find some goth ass yahoo geo cities page or angel fire pages like you could stumble into these weird little goth pockets (laughs) absolutely (laughs) on the internet back then for sure yep it was a good time to be alive it was and it definitely led us to be you know lovers of, of this film that we're going to be talking about today. And that, of course, leads us to the subject of today's show, One Nightmare Before Cretmas uh-huh. from 1993, which is, of course, a cornerstone for many a young goth kid's cold, blackened heart. Although, I must <laughs> confess, I was nearly a grown man when I saw this for the first time, dude. Oh, like really? This and all the stuff that we just mentioned, like The Crow, The Craft... I was absolutely not allowed to watch that stuff. I mean, when this movie came out and I was, I mean, what, no, 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 let's see here, nine or ten years old, Uh I was absolutely not allowed to watch this. Like, this was one that was way too morbid, way too dark, did not see this until I watched it with... Uh, with Kate when we were probably 17 or 18 because it was one of her favorites because she had watched it forever. And uh, that was the first time that I fucking watched this. Wow. Yeah. I, I remember watching it on VHS. We we owned it. My sister loved it, and I loved it. Um, I don't remember the first time I saw it was. Yeah. Um, but I knew I was interested because it had Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas on it, and I already knew I liked Tim Burton movies because of you know Batman and Edward Scissorhands and Beetlejuice and all that. Um, so we were excited, uh, cause me and my, my sister and my cousins who all were just hanging out all the time back then, uh, we really liked these darker movies and you know, the animation looked really cool. So I, I know we watched it pretty soon after it was released. Yeah. I've dude. still never seen it in theaters though. We saw it, I think, one time on one of those like re-releases that they did. Yeah, there have been five re-releases. Wow, uh, this movie doesn't this go away. It just no, it does doesn't. not go away. Like, nope. it's proving not to be one of those ones that like just our generation gets, and it doesn't really make sense to anybody. Like, this thing has no. Kids stuck it. around, and yep. it it's still super relevant and generating fuck tons of money how well did this yeah. do in the box office when it came out well originally uh we're talking about a 24 million dollar budget it did 50 million which is okay. respectable like yeah. disney was was fine with it they didn't really expect necessarily after the um original viewings that that they did that it was gonna do well and it doing fine was good um but since then it has more than doubled that to 101.2 million um, because of the re-releases they've done around Halloween. They've done three 3D releases around uh, the mid 2000s, and then uh, in in 2019 or 2020 and 2023, they've re-released it. 
and it's i mean it's it's um making money every single time like you wow. put it in theaters people go see it yeah well now you've got you know people our age that are taking their kids to see it and hell some some people our age are taking their grandkids to see it because it means so much to them <laughs> whatever true. they saw it in the theater man and dude i i would love to know the lump sum total of what this has done in merchandise. This has oh, to be one that, of the most merchandised yes. fucking films ever, right? One hundred percent. Because like, you know, uh, the the goth kids loved it, uh, but so did tons of kids. Kids just loved it. So the the you know uh, places like Hot Topic and whatnot and Spencer's they had their Nightmare Before Christmas merchandise and it would sell really well. And then Disney kind of got their eye on how well the merchandise was doing and they were like maybe we should embrace this yeah. uh so they did around you know 2000 2001 they kind of started embracing it and uh you know putting uh nightmare before christmas stuff in the parks and whatnot and it now is just a regular feature of yeah. of disney world and, and it's one of the most popular uh movies around this time on disney plus which is awesome. I mean, I know ultimately knowing that, you know, it was the mouse behind it. I know it was all in the name of capitalist greed because they figured out that like, oh, even people on the outskirts of society have money that spends just like normal <laughs> people's money. Let's get it well, out of them. I know that it was, but I'm so glad that it worked. <laughs> well, kind of what happened. The story is a little like, obviously, yes, you're right. Capitalist greed. But what happened was that Tim Burton had worked at Disney and he had pitched this Nightmare Before Christmas idea before. Based they, on like a poem or something that he wrote, right? Yeah. And Disney had ownership of those characters and, and that idea. Uh, and he and Henry, Henry Selleck, who directed the film, who they met at Disney... He kind of like animators or something in the eighties, right? Like, yeah, way there were animators. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. And uh, Tim Burton had become popular because he he had just done, um, you know, Pee Wee and then Beetlejuice and Batman, and all three did well. He was the most bankable director at that time. So Disney then were like, oh, you know, like, mm, want to get in that Tim Burton business. Tim Burton goes to Disney asking to buy the characters because he wants to make Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. And Disney's like, you know what? If you want to make Nightmare Before Christmas, no better place to make it than Disney. And so they, they made a deal with him because they want to be in the Tim Burton business. They want to make money off of him. So what happened was essentially... The, while Disney would have people in the room, the people in the room liked the movie and supported it. So they weren't reporting back to Disney like that anything needed to be changed necessarily. And Disney wasn't really doing a lot of input. So it kind of worked out that, yeah, you, you do have this movie for outsiders that Disney is is banking on probably that the outsiders are going to watch, but that's not, you know, that's not their core group normally. Mm -hmm. uh, but keen eye on them for recognizing that yeah. this could be something big. I mean, it, it had, yes. I mean, fuck all to do with what Disney was doing back then. And I know no, that now, yeah, you know, unrelated. We're almost all, I think, jaded with Tim Burton by now, where it's just like, oh, God, he's going to do another movie with Johnny Depp. Fuck. But like <laughs> back in the day, dude, there was, there was nothing like this in the mainstream at all nope. he was really nope. swinging for the fences and had such an original 
vibe and style and knew how to surround himself with people that understood that. We'll get to Danny Elfman's involvement yeah. in a moment too, but like <laughs> you know, he it's not just uh it's not an island of Burton. I mean, without people no. like Elfman and Selleck, he wouldn't be Tim Burton. He knew how to no. surround himself with the people who could get his vision created. Well, and Caroline Thompson who wrote the screenplay mm, yes. for this also wrote yes, yes, yes. the screenplay for like Beetlejuice and stuff like. Yeah, he he's he did a great job of surrounding himself with talented people and continuing to go back to that well over and over um and it it pays off you know you got he had originally asked um because he and and paul rubens liked oingo boingo they asked uh danny elfman to score the movie and he had never done a movie score so he was kind of like you know worried about doing it but you know just went ahead and did it and that is how you know we we get to where we are like just an eye for talent and then then continuing to go with that talent rather than trying to bring new blood in or whatever yeah man it's amazing too you know now we all think of danny elfman we're thinking about film composer danny elfman and his body of work but right you're right at the time he was the singer of oingo boingo Yep. Like not really. <laughs> like, I mean, they were big. This would work, but it did. Yeah. <laughs> like they were big, but they weren't like a level, you know, colossal huge band. But no. they just knew they liked something in what Danny was doing with that music, and took that leap of faith with him. I mean, it was the right choice, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's you know that's how we get Danny Elfman in, in this. He he sings, uh, or he uh, he's um, doing the singing and did the composing singing for uh, Jack Skellington. He did do the acting lines, but wasn't, wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, apparently it just was not, not cutting actor. it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, not yeah. an actor. Yeah, but uh, the the music is the movie. Like, oh, when dude. they were sitting down to make the movie, they had, um, they had paid Michael McDowell to write the movie, and apparently he just snorted a bunch of cocaine and didn't write the movie uh (laughs) yeah and the animation studio was getting up and running but they didn't have anything to animate so tim burton and danny elfman sat down and started writing the songs because you know the songs were going to be the star of the film anyway so they had a general idea of how they wanted the story to go so they started writing songs that would fit that story so the songs were written before the uh, script was ever written and the what's this song was the first thing animated oh really yeah and interesting it isn't very interesting too that they started there because that's the christmas town stuff where yeah. it's not exactly tim burtony you know uh-uh yeah no. <laughs> But yeah, they they started there and you know worked out the songs, and then they figured out that Michael McDowell would not be turning in a script, so they got Caroline Thompson on it, uh, and she was the one who really developed the Sally character, hmm. and you know created much more like of a role for her being you know she's you know Sally is a, a fully possessed character who you know she may have people trying to stop her but she's constantly getting past them and getting past mm-hmm. impediments uh and she she's the more grounded character in comparison to her and jack jack is you know outrageous and and silly and not really thinking through what he's doing whereas she is 
much more measured and calculated and, and whatnot. And that I think that relationship is probably the best like characterization in the movie because the movie movie really stands on its animation and the music. Oh yeah, like, it's just it's the world it, and the music is what you watch yeah. this for. Yeah, and the story is not complicated. Mm-mm. The character arcs are not complicated. Jack goes from thinking like that he should just be in charge of every celebration to learning like no, you know, stick to the thing you're good at. Yeah, um, stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're in your you're happy there. You're doing really good. You you want more? Well, hey, maybe instead of just doing three and a half minutes next Halloween, do five. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of their big thing. Yeah, yeah, their whole big thing. They work on all year, three and a half minutes long. <laughs> and then they're like patting each other on the back and telling Jack he's the best. <laughs> Reminds me of my honeymoon. Know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey. Not that I, yeah, hey, uh, by the way, I am going to point out some little small issues. I love this movie. I, oh, yeah, I'm not, obviously. Uh, they're, they're, I have no complaints. I just needed to find something to talk about for a podcast. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So now, how did this go from being a property that Disney owned and Burton uh-huh. had his hands in to Burton's not directing it? Uh-huh. Henry Selick is, and he's just yeah. kind of overseeing, well, kind of micromanaging it. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. So Burton wants to do it. Disney wants to do the movie. Burton also gets offered to do Batman Returns. And of course, he's going to do that. And we're Pretty glad he did because yeah. it's great. It's amazing. Love it. Um, so he sold the movie and now he's like, all right, well, my, my guy, Henry Selleck, is going to direct this. Uh, and Henry has not directed anything up to this point. Oh, um, wow. But he's, you know, he, he feels comfortable leaving Henry in charge uh, along with you know working with other people that he had worked with before, knowing that they get his vision and that he can kind of you know fax them some ideas and you know and whatnot, and if they have questions, they can come to him. But he wasn't really there at the studio, yeah, for most of the time, which is wild. Like as somebody who has a very, very, very hard time letting the reins go of any creative project I'm involved yeah, with, I understand uh, by nature, and I don't yeah. have as sweeping and uh, singular of a vision as Tim right. fucking Burton does. Yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine how hard it must no, be. No, I can't either. You know, for him just to let go and be like, I think this guy can do what I want to do here. That would yeah. be. So fucking hard for me. So hard. Well, yeah, and especially knowing that this was a, a thing he came up with before he was famous, that he yeah. still had in his mind that he wanted to do, and now just because of the way schedules align, he's, he doesn't really get to be there. Um, that yeah, that's got to be tough. That's got to be. It's mm-hmm. got to be very frustrating. Um, and he was very frustrated with the original ending they came up with, which was that the doctor was Oogie Boogie. Oh, he was Oogie Boogie. Uh Yeah. Kind of Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Like like, it was me all along. Uh, and Tim Burton hated it, hated that ending. And I I do too. It does sound bad. It's not good. It's like, I, I don't know. Oogie Boogie needs to be something actually scary. Mm-hmm. If he's going to be in the movie, and, and I like him, I like Oogie Boogie, I love the Oogie Boogie song, um, 
I think he has to be something scary. And the fact that they went with it's a bunch of bugs and a burlap sack. Yeah. <laughs> that's effective. All right. That's effective. Yeah. And he's also got some kind of like weird New Orleans kind of vibe about him. Uh-huh. Yeah. And all the gambling stuff. It's all like really random and strange to think that there would be this like, yeah, uh, Louisiana uh, freewheeling gambling sack of bugs in Halloween land. But all right, I'll go with it. <laughs> yeah. And that was something that actually Danny Elfman was worried that the characterization of oogie boogie was going to be considered racist really um and hmm. it, it it was by some considered like that uh that it was um doing an imitation of a jab singer like cab calloway or something mm-hmm. right 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 yeah no there, there was a, a little bit of that with oogie boogie but like i i think that the the oogie boogie character while uh, as you pointed out when we were talking earlier not necessary i don't know that he is really <laughs> right? like, that's something that you know I, I was watching this actually just earlier today like <laughs> just a scant maybe hour before we started recording i finished the movie and i was kind of thinking to myself like was it really needed in this story which is ultimately just about jack learning to be himself and let other people do other things better than him rather than trying to be everything to everybody right mm-hmm. like was it really needed to have this, you know, hostage situation with Sally and Santa Claus down there with Oogie Boogie? Or did that just kind of disnify it a little bit to have an antagonist and to have a final battle? Yeah, well, and the 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 protagonist has to be a hero. Because, yeah. like, otherwise the story is Jack Skellington thought he could do Christmas. He fails at it. He is, is like, oh no, I should, you know, stick with the thing I'm good at. The end, uh, and that is that is a story, and, yeah. and could entirely be told and told well and done well. But it's not. It's a Disney an introspective story. story. Yeah, but it's it not is, really yeah. Disney style, right? Yeah, yeah you got to have that final battle and the stakes where some people got to get rescued from the bad guy, and the bad guy has to fall, of course, to his demise. Yeah. As Oogie Boogie kind of does when he turns into bugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just I don't know that he's really necessarily needed. And I, I like the message of the movie. I like the story that, you know, Jack, who has kind of become jaded with his sort of rock star status in Halloween land, which is apparently really rel- relevant to Danny Elfman. And Danny felt really, really compelled to be a part of this project because he was kind of feeling bored with being you know, in the role of rock and roll front man singing for a band, he was becoming kind of jaded with it and wanting to pursue other things musically. Uh-huh. And so in a lot of ways, like this is Danny Elfman's story as well. Well, um, yeah, which is and, cool. Uh, I like that story. You know, D- Danny Elfman himself said that, that, um, you know, in, in, uh, the creation of the story, Caroline Thompson, like she saw herself as, as, uh, Sally, Mm. And she, you know, essentially was riding uh, Danny as, as Jack Skellington. Wow. So, That's really cool. Yeah. The, conne- the connection, of course, as I said, Caroline uh, Thompson came along later. Like, <laughs> so this is, this is, of course, a little bit later in the development. By this point, they have already been working on the songs and stuff. Uh, but that's the thing is that the songwriter is also the singer uh he's he's pouring himself into it you're you're oh, right yeah. like he's he's very much like 
uh, portraying Jack Skellington as as this whatever he was feeling in the moment. And the songs are, I mean, obviously fucking iconic. And one thing I was really noticing while watching it this time is how well-paced they are in terms of, yeah, there's a song that opens it, and then there's a lot of story and dialogue, then another song, then quite a long break of story and dialogue. It's really well-paced, where it's not just song, 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 song. Like, it's like a full-on musical. And there's, like, little callbacks here and there, just like any good musical has to other pieces that have already been played in the story and in the film. Uh Uh-huh. But it's not just nonstop singing. Like, the story is happening in dialogue, as well as singing. It's not just relying on the music the entire time. But, man, the songs are iconic as fuck, dude. Danny's Danny's writing style and his weird use of key changes and weird instrumentation, it could not have been more perfect. Like, could you imagine anybody else doing music for this? It would not have even remotely sold this story as hard as it did. Danny was the only person for this. The only person. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, no, this is a a confluence of a lot of very talented people trying to uh, create something in line with Tim Burton's vision. Mm-hmm. And I think that they created their own... Because like, when you watch this, you could say, oh, it's real Burton-y, but is it? <laughs> like, how yeah, Burton-y totally. is it? It feels like it's its own thing. Mm-hmm. It yeah. has some elements of like his style, but also... A lot of it feels very different, and, and I like that. I like the idea of uh, Burton being a creative director <laughs> and letting other people just do all the the stuff is, is interesting to me because uh, I, I like his stuff, but a whole lot of the stuff he's made recently is just uh, I don't I'm not interested in. Yeah, no, it doesn't mm-hmm. do it for me. Uh, I would I would like to see what he would do maybe as as a producer more often because he's he's produced some really cool stuff that um, boy what was it I am I am number nine or something like or I am number four I don't remember I Timur Bekmetdinov yeah. uh, the guy who directed Nightwatch he had like an animated thing that was cool that was oh, produced cool. by Tim Burton and definitely had like a Burtony feel but had its own thing going on hmm. Nice, man. You were yeah. saying that you noticed some, uh, maybe some weak spots in some of the lyrics of the songs, though, right? <laughs> well, maybe some curiosities. Let's just put it some that curiosities. way. Curiosities. The one that just really stands out to me is when <laughs> Jack Skellington is is you know singing his song in a graveyard to tell us who he is. Uh, he tells us to a guy in Kentucky, I'm Mister Unlucky. What's that story? Now, what's that about? What's going on there? One single man in Kentucky calls him Mr. Unlucky. Yeah. Like, is the story like they were on a road trip together and it all went bad? And he was like, man, you're just Mr. Unlucky. Damn you, Mr. Unlucky. (laughs) My backer tent is empty again. (laughs) What? That does seem like kind of like a placeholder that just ended yeah, up getting left in the song. It does because he's like explaining it. it. It's like it's like his he, he's you know Santa Claus to, of Halloween. So different um, you know cultures call him different things. But one single man in Kentucky calls him this, and it's worth mentioning. 
It must have been a pretty bad experience if he removed yeah, that to be one rough. guy yeah. in Kentucky. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is kind of odd, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit off. But, that, I mean, that's, again, it's just nitpicking for uh, having something to talk about. Because I love this film. I, it's fucking I, awesome, right? Yeah, I don't really care uh-uh. if every single lyric is impeccable because it sounds great. Oh yeah, totally. And a lot of those things are just yeah, they they flow so well and they've been a part of the songs for so long that you couldn't possibly think about what else you could fill that line in with. It's yeah. just kind of cemented into the song by now. Yeah, it's fine. And it's funny too yeah. because like, dude, even if I would have been allowed to watch this as a, you know, 9-year-old or whatever, I I probably wouldn't have because it combines Two things I do not typically like, which is okay. musicals and stop motion. All um, right, You're stop, not a stop motion, motion has fan. it has never been for me. I uh, I've spoken many times about the weird like I, I wish I could figure out what it is about all those Rankin and Bass Christmas stop motion things like uh-huh. Rudolph and all those that like yeah. make me want to jump off a cliff. Like they make me so <laughs> even to this day so depressed to watch those. I hate those. And then also too, like I remember the uh, like the California Raisins Christmas special made me feel yes. really weird as a kid. And uh-huh. then, I mean, God forbid we start talking about all those like uh, Peter Gabriel videos and stuff uh, that yeah. had stop motion in them that were just so weird. Or like the ones with puppets and shit made the me feel puppets. really uncomfortable. Ugh, yeah, Holy yeah. shit! So like, there was a lot of stop motion stuff as a kid that just made me feel weird made me feel bad i know i'm not alone in that there's like a small pocket of people that have the same reaction to stop motion stuff we're probably the people that got really freaked out by those early tool videos that adam jones was doing that was stop motion <laughs> yeah. i know those fucked me up pretty hard too so the fact that this is a stop motion musical that i love it's like somebody serving me up a damn old uh, uh, mustard and onion sandwich, and I just I lick the plate <laughs> clean. That's what it is. Okay. Two things I don't usually like, but somehow uh-huh. this just you slather it in goth sauce, and I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> the animation's I, unreal. Like even yeah, to this day, it's, so it, it's it's insane, man. And took it took two years to geez. to complete the animation, and then you know another year of post production. It. It's amazing. It, it it looks flawless to me. Still, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, really. There's there's not really one spot in here that I'm going, man. If they would have had better CGI back then, this would have looked cooler. No, they, it was made by people who knew exactly how to make what they were working with look great. It's people that knew the limitations and the advantages of the medium they were using and knew exactly how to fucking do it. There's so many like sweeping camera shots in this that like it boggles my mind like when you have some of those shots of like uh like the town and in halloween land where the camera will be sweeping over like tons of characters that are in motion and moving fully animated and the camera is doing moves of its own i i don't know how you plan that out and how you animate that much less when people are singing at the same time too and their lips have to match up and shit like I don't comprehend stop motion, and this no. <laughs> is stop motion to the nth degree. I I don't know how you fucking do it. Yeah, I remember the, there was a joke in Parks and Rec where 
Adam Scott's character yeah. <laughs> spent yes. like a month working on a stop motion thing, and then when he went to watch it, it was like literally like three, four seconds. Yeah. Because it's so tedious. It is so exact. It, I and do for it. it to end up perfect like this is, I mean, that is just a feat. Yes. I, I don't remotely understand it. And I love how they blend in some other things, too. Like, there's some cell animation in here with some of the ghosts that are floating up in the intro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some, like, real-life stuff in there. Like, clearly they were dropping, you know, bugs into some sort of a... Um, uh, what is that called? Like, a you know, a vat of liquid metal. Mm. A crucible. That's what okay. I'm looking for. When they're dropping the bugs and the crucible thing at the end whenever Oogie Boogie is dying. Like, that's a real-life prop. That's not stop motion miniature size um and other things like the spoon that sally drinks the soup out of uh-huh like that's just a regular size spoon like I, I love how they incorporate some real life stuff that's not necessarily stop motion or the cell animation stuff in there too it all blends together so seamlessly but it's fun to look for if you can find it wow cool yeah wow. I, I also love the designs of all the different Halloween Tower residents. Like, oh, man, dude. We've got so many different characters in there. And, you know, other than the, the opening song essentially telling us a little bit about some of them, we don't get, like, a full explanation of who everybody is or whatever. It's just like, well, here's three vampires who walk around with umbrellas. Like, I love their little <laughs> umbrellas, dude. Uh-huh keeping out of the sun i love it man yeah you're right like there's so many little characters that you can think of distinctly that barely even have speaking lines in this but you remember them clearly like dude the uh during one of the songs there's like the uh the nesting dolls Uh character yeah there's something about the scale of when they zoom out from the little one to the medium one to the big one that's really strange looking and it's fucking Sick man, is there yeah. also a tar man in this? It looks like the tar man is in this. You know, he's what I'm like talking sludgy. About? Yeah, he's like a like when Jack touches his head, it like yeah, he he he's very goopy. much does have a tar man appearance. Yeah, uh huh, very much, man. And then of course a lot of the main characters in here too, like the uh, old Doctor Duckface. Um, Doctor Duckface, that's right. <laughs> voiced by that super old guy, man. Whatever his name is, that is in National Lampoon. National Lampoon, the yeah. Blessing, as well uh-huh. as is it Tales from the Dark Side? Uh huh. Yeah, he's in Tales yeah. from the Dark Side. Mm-hmm. That guy's in a lot of shit, and that's he uh, definitely is. Yeah, his voice. Now, the the Doctor character is one I wanted to talk about too, because in my okay. head, the Doctor is like a bad guy. Uh-huh. But, but like other than just kind of wanting to keep Sally there, even though she's repeatedly poisoned him over and over, uh-huh. is he that bad of a guy? Is he a real bad guy? I don't know. Um. Well, what did he create Sally for? I don't know. The second, I guess. I the know. second woman he creates has got big old mammer jammers. Yeah, she kind of does. Yeah, so it yeah. seems to me like it's a sex doll thing. Okay, well, that's bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I think he's 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 a not good man that Dr. Finkelstein. Um, but Sally's a flash uh, flashlight is what you're saying. <sighs> Filled with leaves, yeah. Yeah, full of leaves. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, kind of seems that way to me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Sally's a flashlight. By the way, that's got to be the name 
of some OnlyFans video out there. It exists, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm certain that exists. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. That voice cast, though, dude. What about fucking Prince Humperdinck as uh, Jack Skellington? How about that? It, I mean, hey, it's it's great. It's great to have his, his voice in here. It's the third movie, well, fourth movie we've done that he's in. Yeah. Uh, we, did, we did a Fright Night, we did a Child's Play, and then we did a Fright Night 2011. That's right. Um, and it never disappoints, you know. He's 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 a good performer. So it took his, me forever to even learn that the singing voice and the speaking voice were not the same guy. What he does with his voice in this doesn't it doesn't really sound like Prince Humperdinck to me. No, it just no. sounds like Jack Skellington. Like he yeah. matched his his speaking voice to Jack's, you know, Danny Elfman's singing voice so yeah. well, dude. Yeah, I agree. Like he he's. He's killing it. Catherine O'Hara is killing it. Like, oh man, so good. Yeah, I you know, and then you got just so many like background characters being. Uh, Paul Rubens is uh, the voice of. Oh yeah, one of the Oogie Boogie Trick or Treat. Yeah, Lock, guys. Shock, and Barrel. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Got also like, Greg. That. Greg Proops is is out in there. There's all sorts of like. No way from line? Yeah, <laughs> he, no shit. I believe there's that like one creature that has like the mouth that's open all the way around. I believe yeah. he does the voice of that. Oh wow! Uh, along with other characters, yeah, it's it, it's just a great a great cast, dude. I love the mayor character too. You got to talk about the mayor, the the two faced oh, yeah. spinning head. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm just was... an elected official. I can't make decisions on exactly. my own. That's the best line. <laughs> like it's so, so good. good. Yeah amazing dude yeah just so much thought and detail put into this and it's like every time that you watch it i don't know about you but i start watching the background more and more i just start watching oh, yeah. all the little tiny details of stuff that's not in the it's foreground so detailed. It, it's ridiculous dude yeah like i i cannot comprehend how you just start with a bunch of little tiny models and make it into this movie i i don't get it i could not do that yeah i yeah i don't have that level of dedication it feels like and Fuck that no. it i'm just so glad some people do because yeah. the, the talent is just outrageous and then like to be able to be just so minutely dedicated to making sure it it just looks right it, it works and it doesn't have that and i think i know what you're talking about with um you know uh stop motion animation that sometimes it is just off enough it's like just Mm -hmm. jerky enough that it doesn't feel right oh yeah uncanny valley like your brain just rejects it shit for sure yeah and i feel like this uh avoids that i know and i I don't know how i wish i knew what the fine line was that makes my brain reject some stop motion stuff and then like this or like paranormal i'm like yeah totally fine with it i wish i knew what that line was (laughs) I, you know, I'm glad you mentioned Paranorman because it, it reminded me of a little like thing that I found really funny. The Wikipedia page for um, Nightmare Before Christmas has a section that says Legacy. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's probably going to talk about all the other movies clearly inspired by this. Uh, the only thing under Legacy, one sentence. Blink 182's 2003 song, I Miss You, makes reference to the film. <laughs> That's, That's the legacy, legacy. Uh-huh, of 
nightmare where are you and i'm so sorry oh my god dude (laughs) what a legacy that's incredible good to know that yeah it made this much of an impact and that much money and its legacy is was a line in a blink 182 song (laughs) holy shit speaking of legacy too I don't know about you, but I am so glad they've never made sequels to this. They've just let it be what it is. I well, they love wanted that. to for sure. Yeah, they Disney, did. Yeah, they did. Disney wanted to make a sequel in 2002, uh, and they wanted to use computer animation. Boom! Uh, and Burton convinced them to not do that. I I assume some of that convincing may have been like, "I'll make a movie for you," because he's made several for him since yeah. then. Um, but he's very protective of it. He doesn't want them to make a sequel. They did make a video game sequel, though. The Nightmare Before Christmas, Oogie's Revenge. Really? Uh, serves as, as a sequel. Um, and it, it's, you know, obviously not well known and is not ever going to be considered canon by, by most people. But they, they've at least, you know, tried to milk it on the video game front but uh i don't i i hope that we do not get a necessarily like uh any sort of sequel but i you know i'm just glad that it's given us so many other movies like you said paranorman um you know other other stop motion Coraline. Coraline, absolutely yeah like um uh, james and the giant peach also directed by uh yeah yeah like we get those things because of this and then every time one of those comes out it's like wow this is great keeps it special you know it does yeah so i i think you know hopefully we'll never see a sequel i i just hope that but i i can't imagine that like five seconds after tim burton dies disney won't be like all right we've greenlit a sequel what if they just totally rushed it through and released on um, um, Biden's second inauguration? They release a Nightmare Before President's Day. What if they do that for us? Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad they just let it be what it is and not gotten greedy with it. Which, of course, for Disney is fucking insane. Although obviously they want well, to, but I'm yeah, glad they're making that their money. Is- They've talked them off a ledge on it. And yeah, it's not like they're not still yeah. making money off of this thing for sure. I also yeah. also really appreciate the fact this is a movie that's like all about Christmas, but like also like no Jesus stuff in there. It's None. just about Christmas. None. Santa Claus, presents, yep. snow, elves, just the the fun parts, the tradition parts that are yep. all any of us actually celebrate, let's be yep. real. Yeah, they kidnapped the Easter bunny, but again, nothing Jesus-y. Just the Easter bunny. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, I I uh, I just want that like there there need to be far more Christmas things that are only about like getting presents and stuff. Like sure. modern I Christmas. I love that. Yes, yeah, totally. That's that's what Christmas is all about. Doesn't yeah, let's be honest. To be, like, there's a reason for the season. The season mm-hmm. is getting presents. Yeah, Santa Claus. That's uh, about it. You know. Yeah, uh, I never really get tired of it, and it also doesn't overstay its welcome. It is like no what, an so hour short. nineteen. It's like yeah. barely a movie, really. Uh-huh. It's great. It's, it's perfect. Like you really zoom through it, you know. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, because I think if this was, you know, an hour and forty kind of movie, yeah, it could be tough. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, because it, it is so visually and auditorily intense. Like the yeah. visual and the audio in this is really an assault. Like there's not one frame of this that doesn't have a ton of shit going on. Yeah. And I think that if you sat here for an hour 45 of this, your brain would probably start leaking out of your ears. <laughs> I think keeping it that hour 20-ish kind of range is exactly what it needed to be. It really lets you soak it in and visit that world and get out before you know it. Yeah, and, and that they knew their strength. You know, the strength is the animation. The strength is the, the songs. Don't overcomplicate the story. Don't yes. try to. Yeah, you don't want to open up too many threads. You gotta, you know, figure out. You've got Jack. You've got Sally. There you go. Yeah, it's the same stuff we talked about with you know a lot of horror movies that are the same way, like the original Suspiria, for example, where the visual and the soundtrack is so huge don't even try to go big with the story don't go right. don't go big with the characters the acting just let those two senses you know really take the front seat yeah. and drive the movie don't don't worry about overcomplicating it and that's what this movie does too and i i think it's better for it yeah absolutely it it and that's something you want out of a, a christmas film too right you don't want it to be overcomplicated you're you're wanting to feel at home you're wanting to feel comforted you're wanting to feel like uh everything's okay so uh you know bright pretty colors nice soothing voices it's hour 19 this is perfect no doubt although you bring me to an interesting question great debate when is the time to watch this movie when do you watch nightmare before christmas well, listen, I don't fully understand the debate because you can just watch Nightmare Before Christmas anytime you want. And if somebody else watches it a different time, you can just let them do that. No, you but, can't. They have to do it the way that you do it. <laughs> but I will say this. You made an argument last week that you don't release a Christmas movie on Christmas. That's well, right. if this is a Halloween movie, why'd they release it two days before Halloween? Did they? Yeah. They didn't think it was a Halloween movie. Okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah. Like, so Kate and I have always watched it after Christmas, but before Thanksgiving and Christmas start. That's after Christmas, after Halloween, in uh-huh. between Halloween and Christmas is when we okay. watch this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, the, the majority of the events happen in between there. The yeah. Three minutes and 30 seconds of the movie is Halloween. So right, that's it's true. not a Halloween movie. Not really. But it's it's you know again only a small portion of it is Christmas. It's just like it's 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 it fits perfectly in between. It's a good time to watch it anytime around <laughs> Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever. It's a holiday it's a movie. Let's it's just go with that, movie. right? Yeah. Uh, this was actually kind of a first for me because this is the first time that I think I've watched it during the Christmas season proper and this is also the first time I've ever watched this without my wife like I've always only ever watched this movie wow uh sitting with Kate on the couch I've never watched this movie without her ever that was kind of a a, like an odd experience that hit me about halfway through the movie where I was like I've never done this I've never watched (laughs) this on my own you know (laughs) Just one of the strange things that happens, I guess, when you know you've been with somebody as long as we've been together, twenty some right. years. There's probably a lot of things I could chalk that up to, where it's like, oh yeah, I've never done this by myself either. Uh, but it did just kind of strike me as odd. I was like, oh yeah, I've never watched this movie on my own. Wow. I've only ever watched this movie with her. Wow, that yeah, that I, 
that is interesting that's a yeah yeah like yeah did it change did it change the way you've like watched the movie in any way or well i'll tell you this i was dealing with a lot less cooties because i want no girl on the couch <laughs> that's you know what that's helpful if you don't have cooties jumping all over you less distracted i can yeah. really enjoy the movie now with all them cooties around yeah i, I get what gross. you're saying though when you, you know you've had a long relationship and there, there's something that's like tradition yeah it's totally like well, you do it together when yep, would you always. ever do it apart yeah that yeah. makes sense yeah this is unique man and uh definitely you know watching this for the podcast uh, and paying closer attention to it watching it with maybe a, a bit sharper and more critical eye uh, i think only made me appreciate it more yeah absolutely because like as you said like every single frame you can just look around and find just so many like minute intricate details oh yeah that make it so special different than so much that we've seen since especially because of of computer animation Mm. um until people really got a, a handle on it now people make so much great very personal very awesome stuff i mean you know as i just said i just watched uh spider-man uh into the spider-verse last it's a work of art man yeah. it's a work of art absolutely and you know i i i think though this is something very special because it represents a time a little before cgi and a time when computers are doing a lot of animation to just have people by hand making these small motions taking a picture and making another one like God, it, it feels very um very much like a last last gasp of of stop motion but then it itself ignited more stop motion it so did. that's great yeah no kidding man timeless like we'll watch yeah. this one for fucking ever and 30 years from now when it's 60 years old i'm sure that people will still be watching this in amongst oh, yes. breaks from the impending water wars that right, are going to yeah. overtake the world. <laughs> yeah, you know? after you're done like uh, hissing away the the feral gang of, of youths who've been just absolutely decimated by COVID, mm-hmm. just turn this on. Yeah, exactly. After the <laughs> um, the nearly waterless cactar people um, yeah. from the desert have invaded your town and you fought them uh-huh. off, mm-hmm. you might enjoy this uh, mm-hmm. in the warm embrace of Kith and Ken. When you think it's maybe Christmas time because months yeah. and calendars have been long yeah. decimated and the weather uh-huh. is always the same and unchanging. Yeah, but yeah. you make you make you make soot men. Yeah, kind mm-hmm. of. Yes. You know, yeah. the atmosphere is just always raining soot, so that's fun. Let's be honest, it's fun. You're making memories. <laughs> What's this? <laughs> Classic yeah. man. Classic. <laughs> it is. You got anything else you want to point out about this? You- yeah. Do you have a favorite like background character? Because mine is the clown with the tearaway face. Oh, that's definitely a fucking dope one. You know what my favorite little accessory character is? Not even really a character, but whenever it's time to sound the town alarm, the alarm is that guy. Yeah. He grabs, it's like a cat, and you grab uh-huh. the tail of the cat, and you just kind of like turn it, just kind of uh-huh. twist it, and the alarm is the cat going, <laughs> like, I really love how clever that is. Like, somebody had to think up, what would the alarm in Halloween Town look like and bet, <laughs> yeah. well let's grab the tail on this cat and 
fucking twist it around the alarm is yeah, a cat wailing it's cool it's <laughs> awesome yeah I, I i love just the 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 creativity that went into this and yeah you're right this is timeless and and we will be talking about this in 60 years if there's anybody to talk about it <laughs> for sure man uh-huh. you want to put a number on it uh, i mean yeah no i mean it's 10 i'm yeah, not sure it's a 10, I, sure. i'm not even gonna pretend it's not to me i Iconic understand it. Yeah, I understand if people got some issues with the the story not necessarily being much or the oogie boogie. Yeah, as you said, he's maybe not necessary to tell the story, but to Disneyfy it, 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 you definitely have to have him. Um, yeah, no, no real complaints for me though. I, I don't oh, yeah. have an issue with this. I I watch it every year, and it can be just running in the background, and I'll never complain. Totally. Yeah, I've watched it every year for twenty two years now wow Wow. and that'll keep going so (laughs) immortal classic we want to hear your thoughts on this one over on our facebook group it's the only reason to use that stupid website (laughs) hang out with your boys and other cool people like yourself join up with our facebook group today and have a good time you guys can also follow us on instagram and all kinds of other social media outlets you can find all those on our linktree page that's right linktree.com forward slash dead and lovely head on over there find uh, links to all sorts of stuff, including our Patreon. That's right. Ooh. Over there on patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. We got, uh, uh, th- so you, you, you got those, uh, uh, hell rankers episodes. Uh, you got the addendum episodes. Uh, ben did a book review recently and all that can be yours for just a dollar, a dollar a month. But if you want to have some sway over how the, the show goes, you so, think, you know, better. You, maybe you do. Hey, maybe you do. You throw you us five bucks, yeah. you can throw a movie into the smoker bowl, and then we draw out of the smoker bowl once a month, and then we cover that movie that we draw out of the smoker bowl, and uh, boy, uh, every single time, it's a blast. So That's right. Can't wait to hear what you want us to talk about at the end of this month. Mm-hmm. Don't delay. Sign up today. And also be sure to tune in next week. Now, due to how Christmas falls uh, this year, this isn't coming out on Christmas, but it's coming out on the week of Christmas. And you guys know we like to go a little wild That's with right. you guys for the holidays. Give you maybe uh-huh. a little a little break from all the holly and jolly, from the tinsel, from the lights, from the bells, all that bullshit. Maybe you want a break. Maybe you need to fucking... Get your ass to Mars. <laughs> That's Maybe you right. do. Christmas classic. Total recall. Total fucking recall. <laughs> the OG, not that remake. Yeah, We're going Arnie recall. That's, yeah, that's the, the only one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. Uh, that'll be a fun one to talk about. And maybe a little break from all the Mariah Carey's and the Hollies and Jollies and so yeah. on. Uh, so be sure to tune in next time. I'm looking forward to talking about that one. Me too. Uh, it's definitely going to be the highest number of boobs on a single character we've ever talked about on the show. <laughs> That's true. We've never had a character with more than two boobs. I don't think so. I don't think. You know. Not that I can come up with. So <laughs> tune in next time. It'll be a fun chat about that. And hopefully everybody out there is having a good, safe, and healthy holiday season. And I uh, hope you guys tune in next time where I'll be yeah. Hollywood. I'll be Hollywood Steve. We'll be dead and lovely. Bye. Bye.
Man, I'll tell you, I had a thought the other night, and I think this is something that we should all stew on for a minute because I think we all might owe Santa Claus a big old apology. You want to know why? Mm, okay. What? Why? Okay. We were driving by somebody's house, and they had like a, a big, like eight foot tall Santa out in okay. the yard, right? Uh huh. Yeah. But he was so tall that he was like really skinny like his legs were really long his body was really elongated like he was a very tall lean santa claus and i looked at it and i was like man i just i don't like the looks of that santa claus right there that santa looks whack i don't like him i want my sandy claus to be fat he's a big fat jolly man Uh and then i heard the words come out of my mouth and i said wait a second here are we all holding Santa Claus to some super unrealistic body standards? Wow. I think that we are. We expect this guy to be old and overweight, not a great combination, and deliver presents all over the world every year from here and there till eternity. And uh-huh. we expect him to look a certain way on top of it? Wow. Man, that's my bad. That's my bad. I've been part of the problem. Now, I, I don't know if this might be the case, but... Is it possible that Santa has to like ultra carbo load to deliver all the presents? Oh, like okay, yeah. And the rest of the year, he's just got a power lifter's physique. He might, maybe yeah. like by the end of that night, he's just like burnt it all off and and clothes yeah. is fitting real baggy like. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So that you saw. Like, uh, that's after Christmas Santa. Those folks want to celebrate December 26th. Got it. Yep, yep, yep. That makes sense. That checks out. That makes Heart sense Healthy me, Santa yeah. lives. Okay. I like yeah. it. I like it. Okay. <laughs> well, I think if we want Sandy to keep doing his job, we got to let go of these, these body standards we all hold for him, all right? So you see a skinny Santa, just remember, he's getting prepared for the year. <laughs> you know, I'm just telling you. It's probably, he's got to carry all those presents. Like, he's not, he can't be like a little skinny twink. Mm-mm, no. No, he's got to, he's a big beef boy, but, you know, he's got, he's got to really load up. So, probably, you know, probably around August, he just starts eating, you know, cheesecakes, mm-hmm. uh, just, oh, melted ice cream, just drinking it. Uh, oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Ham. Putting on the calories. Whatever. Yeah. But then, yeah, December twenty sixth comes around, svelte, looking, <laughs> looking trim. 